My own? I am. All right, good. Like I said, I wish I was a better hype man. Um, if you guys know me, I'm not typically a guy who gets uh, super excited. You know, I want to do kind of like the Kool-Aid man, bust through a wall. Like, you know, one of those things. Um, and actually, it reminds me... Um, so music has always been very, I've always loved music. And like, man, uh, this morning has just been fantastic with our worship team. All the songs they chose, perfect lyrics. Um, but if you're with me, uh, I know it's of a previous generation, but they used to do these things called compilation CDs. You know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah, I know. Basically, it would be a CD with a whole bunch of different artists' songs on that one CD. And there was this one group. So when I was a new Christian, I, I bought this one. It was called Wow Music, I think is what it was. All right, all right. So I know. Uh, so it was Wow, you know, kind of thing. And it had all these different, you know, Christian, like, you know, hits on the CD. And, you know, it was all current to that. So it was like 90s would be when it was. But there was one 70s song on the CD. It's so bizarre to me. Uh, I was like, what in the world? Um, and it sounds like a 70s song, okay? Uh, if you guys know, you probably know it. It's Don Francisco's He's Alive. You know, if you've never heard that song before, uh, it is a 70s song. It's dated. You know, it's like one of those, like, it tells a story, you know, kind of song, you know, like a, a lot of country music used to do that in the 70s too, but it, it tells the story and of you know this of the basically of the of the crucifixion and and uh, the the days after and the resurrection, but the end of the song, the reason why, like I said, I was listening to it going like, oh my goodness, who put this song on here? Until he starts singing this chorus at the end of the song, where he starts just repeatedly singing, shouting, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And, you know, and, and it'll get, it eventually gets you. You know, like the, the emotion that he's pouring into it becomes your own. And, and so that song has always now had a special place in my heart because I wish I could convey that emotion to you right now of saying, He's alive. He's alive. He's not dead. The resurrection is, uh, we celebrate it on Easter, uh, and we need to know why we celebrate it. We celebrate it um, because it is proof. It is proof that what Christ did on the cross worked, that what he accomplished, what he said he would do, he did. What's interesting is that the resurrection in and of itself is just evidence that the cross worked. The work was done on the cross. The reason we know the work worked was because of the resurrection. And so we put a lot of emphasis on the resurrection on the Easter, but, but I want to today talk about what it's proof of, what was accomplished. Because when Jesus was on the cross, he said the words that we're going to focus on today that said that he didn't need to do anything more. He said, it is finished. And then he gave up his spirit. 
John 19, 28 to 30, says, After Jesus, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, To fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. And when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished and bowed his head, and gave up his spirit. It's finished. Now, if you have read through some of these accounts before, or you may or may not notice, that people were listening to the words he was saying. You know, Jesus was, for all intents and purposes, probably one of the biggest names that they had crucified, probably some of these Roman guards. And so they were very curious what he was saying. And it made me wonder, what did they think he meant when he said those words? It is finished. Do you, have you wondered that? I, uh, maybe just in my mind, you know, there's a part of me, maybe, I don't know if they hear him clearly or not, but I just think about when do you say words like that? You know, um, in our house, we kind of play, you know, if you've played the game shotgun, right? You know, where whoever calls shotgun gets the front seat in the passenger car, Right kind of a who gets to say it first type of thing. Well, in our house, we have a version one. It's, it's basically, it's the version called I am done. Uh, and it's whoever after work comes home and says I am done first, doesn't have to do any more chores. They can be done. Uh, does anyone else have that? No? Is that just, no? All right, yeah. Uh, but like, yeah, we reserve it for the right times. But if, if you hear the words coming out of the other person's mouth saying I am done, uh, you know, oh, okay, all right, you just take a seat and, you know, and enjoy the rest of the evening, and I will try to pick up for the others. And so we don't do it as a competition. I, I come home, and the first thing I do is a door, like yelling, I'm done, you know. Okay. <laughs> no, I don't do that. Uh, but they are words that, you know, we would say, like, when you say that yourself, I am done. You know, it just means you're kind of like, I, I got no more gas in my tank. You know, I am going to... I, I, there's, I don't want to do another thing tonight. I want to rest, kick my feet up, you know, maybe go to bed a little, you know, whatever it is, I just want to be done with my responsibilities, my chores. Anything else can wait till tomorrow. So, you know, there's that sense that you, you may, was that what he meant? You know, he's done? I don't think that's probably the least likely. When I think about, you know, when... The first thing that actually came to my mind when I was thinking about that statement, it is finished. Uh, it went back to my childhood days. You know, those of us who haven't been kids for a very long time probably don't remember, or maybe we do. But moms, you know this phrase. When your kids say, I'm done, I'm finished, that usually means they're either just finished going to the bathroom and they need a little help, or they're locked in their high chair and they're done with their peas and carrots, and they want to be freed from their high chair, right? You know, and it's, just, it's what you say when you need a little help to be like, I'm done. Now I need your help to get me out of this situation and, and you know, let me go play now. You know? So hopefully, I don't think that was it either. You know? uh, hopefully as an adult, you don't say that much anymore. At least don't announce to the house when you're done. You know, I'm finished! Yeah. Um, so... So it could have been that, you know. Uh, but I, you know, if they were listening, I, I most likely think they thought, 
probably the worst case scenario of hearing these words that I am finished. I am done. Do you hear those words in the context of someone being upset with you? Or some sort of relational situation and someone says those words, I am done. Those are words you do not want to hear. Because it means they quit. Finished. They're not going to try anymore. You've been in a situation where maybe it's a boss, maybe it's a parent, sibling, spouse. If you've heard those words, you know how frightening those words can be. Now just imagine if you think you hear those words coming out of the mouth of the Son of God. Jesus says, I'm done. Now, (laughs) would he ever say that? Well, should be a little nervous because there are several times in Scripture where God has come close to throwing in the towel. Where he has looked at humanity and almost said, I'm done. You can go back to the days of Noah. Genesis chapter 6, verse 11 to 13 says, Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. The earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. For the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. That was God getting this close to saying, I'm done. After the golden calf, he had just rescued the people from Egypt and taken them through the Red Sea. And they go to the foot of the mount where they were receiving the Ten Commandments. And while Moses is up on the mountain, the people form a, an idol to worship instead of God. And so... He says, furthermore, the Lord said to me, I have seen this people, and behold, it is a stubborn people. Let me alone that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of you a nation mightier and greater than they. Another time where God looked at his people and said, I am done with these people. Several times throughout the wilderness when they would grumble and groan and wish They could be put back in slavery in Egypt. God would say, okay, done with these people. You look at the prophets in several places, prophets anger towards his people, towards their constant unfaithfulness, their constant adultery against him, spiritual adultery against him, would would cause them oftentimes to hear words from God saying, I'm finished with you. And Isaiah and Ezekiel you see these, these, like I said, frightening words to hear from someone you love. And so just imagine if, just, if some grumbling and unfaithfulness might cause God to be finished with people, what would happen if you killed His Son? You don't have to wonder. Matthew 21, 33-41. 
It says, hear another parable. There was a master of a house who planned, uh, planted a vineyard and put a fence around it and dug a wine press in it and built a tower and leased it to tenants and went into another country. When the season of fruit for fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants uh, to get his fruit. And the tenants took his servants and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did the same to them. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and have his inheritance. And they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. When, therefore, the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? What's interesting is that Jesus does not answer. The disciples said he will put those wretches into a miserable death and let out uh, the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the fruits of their seasons in their seasons. There have been times when God, those words, it is finished, could have been possibly interpreted as I am finished. But thankfully, those words did not mean that, nor did they come from the Father. They came from Jesus' lips, and Jesus said, it is finished, not I am finished. And so we have to ask ourselves, what is it? Two letters, I and T, put together. There's a lot in that. What is it? That's very important for us to figure out what it is. And I'm going to give you a little hint. It's huge. Those two letters are huge. And it has been around a long, 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 long time. It started all the way back in the garden when Adam and Eve chose to, to disobey God and, and do their own thing, do what they thought was wise, and eat of the apple, and thus fall from grace from God, with God. When they made that decision, if you didn't know this, what happened is they got kicked out of the garden. They got kicked out of the fellowship presence of God. And from that point forward, there was a separation, a barrier between God's people, his creation, and him. Listen to the word describe what it is. This is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. And it says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Separated alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. It is the state of being separated from God. It is that wall that was built that keeps us from being in fellowship with God. It entails all the... Frustrations, hostilities, rebellions, rejections, all the sin, disrespect, dishonor, disdain, anything that we have done 
To separate us from God is encompassed in that word, it. And one of the craziest things is that God hates it more than anything else. He hates what has separated us from him. That condition is what God has been working to eliminate and to destroy since it ever showed itself. It has been a thorn in his side from the beginning. But listen to this. Ephesians chapter 2.13, carrying on from that passage, it says, But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in flesh the dividing wall of hostility. That, this is the Kool-Aid man moment, okay? You know, This is where he's like, I, that wall that was there, when, when Jesus said, it is finished, that is him breaking through that wall and I think literally kicking every little piece of it out of the way so there's nothing that you'll even trip over left. By abolishing the law of the commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God and one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. It's one of the most craziest things to me is to sit there and to sit, you know, I don't know if I would have heard those words. If I would have wondered what he was saying. And when he said, it is finished, and my fear might have been, what does he mean by that? Does that mean he's quitting on us? Only to discover, no, 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 that means he refused to quit until it was finished. Until the job was done. When I've, the thought of this passage came um, actually last year, uh, or this message, when I was like finishing up one of those Bible reading plans, you know what I mean? You go through and, uh, and you know, so Christmas time, you're always in Revelation, which is kind of a fun, fun exercise, you know, to be in. It doesn't always really matchy-matchy, you know. Um, but, you know, you're in Revelation and Christmas, but I, I noticed that phrase being used, it is done uh, throughout the book of Revelation. And I wondered, you know, is there a correlation? Revelation 16, 17 says, the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air and a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne saying, it is done. Revelation 21, 6 also said, and he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give the spring of water of life without payment. In those two statements, what you see, what was done. Now, what was done was done on the cross. You have to realize it was done on the cross, but yet it isn't completed until God makes all things right. But, but it's been done. That's the hard part to kind of grasp. It's, it's 
now and not yet. You know, it's it's coming. It's it's you know it's, it's you you've you've won, but you have yet to f- receive the fullness of the prize. Okay, in some ways, and so what was happened is what you realize is that on the cross, when Jesus said it is finished, that all sin, all evil, all rebellion was defeated. And that seventh bowl, which if you guys know the story of Revelation, there's the bowls of wrath, there's seven bowls, and he goes through one, two, three, four, five, six, seven being the final one, last one. And he says, I'm done. Death is defeated. Sin has been defeated. Evil has been defeated. And so if, if you are wrestling with anything that is causing you to feel defeated or broken or like you don't have hope, anything that steals your joy or steals your life, what you need to hear today is that it has been defeated. You may not realize that yet, but it was defeated 2,000 years ago when Christ said it is finished on the cross. He already achieved victory over those things. And it's for us to walk in that life. We don't have to win that victory. That victory has been won. It's for us to realize that victory. And so often we, we live in a sense of where we, we are beaten down or we think we're going to lose or something else might win. Where we think we, that, that something's got victory over us that isn't the Lord. And I need you to hear today that it was defeated on the cross. When Christ said it is finished, he meant it was finished. There's no more that needs to be done. Jesus defeated sin and death and evil in this world on the cross. The judgment won't be fully carried out until the last day, but the victory has been accomplished. And then that Revelation 21 passage in verse 6, and he said, it is done, I'm the Alpha Omega. To those who are thirsty, I give the water of life. Basically, he's saying is that everything that you've yearned for, everything you've desired and craved and are pursuing in life, that I made you to desire, that has been completed too. You are everything you need to be. You are everything that God wants you to be and that you are looking and searching for. If you've accepted Christ's death on the cross and you've received that, then you've gained everything that you could possibly gain. And so if you're chasing after acceptance, after love, after you know, uh, the idea of being significant or valuable, you need to hear today that you are. That you are all of those things. That God has done all of those things and completed it and given you access into His goodness and grace because of what He accomplished on the cross. reason why we need to say that it is finished and he is alive, the proof, is because I don't know if we always live in that reality. 
if we fear failure, if we fear you know, not being significant, we're not living in the power of that cross, of what Christ has already accomplished. When you struggle with doubt or anxiety, my prayer is that you hear those words when you worry that if you're not going to win, you would hear him say, no, it is finished. I've already won. If you fear that you are not going to be seen, I want you to hear the words of God saying, no, it is finished. I've done everything I can to make you right with me. I see you. Today is Victory Day in Christ. Call it Easter, we call it a lot of things, but it is Victory Day in Christ. Jesus has conquered it all. And so today, before we wrap up, we have a neat kind of example of that. Uh, we have a neat example of someone who is living victory, victoriously in Christ. And I'll let her share her own words with you via the video. Hi, church family. I'm Katrina, and I just wanted to share a little bit about how God has been using me through my love of dance, even while I'm struggling with pain. So I started dancing at a very young age, and I quickly found a love for it, for the movement and expression, and just being able to worship God, even though I was very quiet when I was little, and I didn't always have the words to say. And then a little over five years ago, I started struggling with chronic pain that has continued to progress and I've gone through seasons of just depression and anxiety and uncertainty because of my health. And for a while, I didn't think I would be continuing dance, but God has been so faithful and it's brought me to a place of being able to continue to just use my love and my passion for dance in a way that blesses others through choreographing dances that are um, have messages filled with hope and of his love and just encouragement even when they're suffering. And so the dance you're about to see with my sister Ellie is really focused on the love that Christ had for his disciples and how he called them and is calling all of us to just share the good news with everyone. And even if you're going through a lot of chronic pain or health challenges like me, um, God can continue to use that. So I hope that this dance just blesses you today. Hi, church family.